0: Coming to you from beautiful Santa Barbara, California, promoting peace, healthy living and happiness. It's the Peace Podcast with host Barbara Gahn-Mueller. Hi, this is Barbara Gahn-Mueller. I welcome you to another wonderful experience, an experience with a divine artist. And I wouldn't say that lightly if I hadn't already started to read his book. His book is called Art for Peace Book. And as I began to read his book, and we're talking to my dear friend, Brian Berman, as I began to read his book, he said, peace and art go hand in hand. Peace is timeless, as as is art. Sculpture allows us to have that moment of stillness serenity a calm sacred space that the artist extends for us to observe to be one with some of his work is in glass some of his work is in gold but everything he does has a center of peace as he said in his book we can't have outside peace if we don't have inside peace and his and i'm saying inside our bodies inside our mind and as i read his bio he said he has been meditating for 50 years that's more than a lot of people have even in age and joy brian teaches love and compassion for oneself as an essential ingredient For without peace, as I said earlier, on the inside, there can be no peace on the outside. It's very contagious. And Brian is a former co-director, facilitator of Compassionate Listening, Jewish-German Reconciliation Project, and his beautiful wife, Lisa and Brian, were calm partners of mine at the 2020 World Peace Conference. And as I sat there, their energy just kind of enveloped the whole friendship hall where we had commotion and people running around and booths. But there was Brian and Lisa with their art, sitting there in this quiet space. And it kind of was a vibration of peace throughout that Friendship Hall. And that's what I felt. And when I met Brian, I said, we've got to have you on Peace Podcast. Long story short, he ended up joining our Rotary E-Club from Ojai where he lives and where he has his art studio. And it's just an honor to welcome you, Brian Berman. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Barbara. Uh, This was uh, awaited since you mentioned that in January. And uh, I I, I so look forward to this conversation.
0: The conversation is about peace because the peacepodcast.org is for peace, happiness, and healthy living. And sometimes we interview authors. Sometimes we interview Hmm, I was going to say sculptures, but I think you're my first. (laughs) I don't think I've had sculptures before. Um, I've had many authors, I've had many NGOs, and I've had many governmental officials. So it's going to be fun today to have a sculptor, one who can put the peace he feels on the inside into a solid form. That is exciting. Brian, what got you into art? What was it about your passion for expressing peace in a new way that got you into art?
1: Yeah, so um, just a little background. So I I was uh, deeply moved during the Vietnam War. I had tried all forms of activism. And at, at a certain point, I realized that everything that I was attempting to connect with uh, was still very much based upon anger and violence, outward expression that wasn't peaceful. And I had this remarkable experience of uh, meeting a holy man from India, um, and he all he talked about was inner peace. It was as if uh, there's a saying, when the student is ready, the teacher comes. And he showed up in my life and uh, he said, well, your, your true nature is peace, but our minds are distorting that peace because when we look out into the world, it's filtered by perception that isn't based upon this inner light that are, where our peace emanates from. So, so usually when, when we look at the world, Um, It's very easy to see conflict and violence, and we don't see this unity of our humanity. And so I just dove in. I became a yoga teacher, a meditation teacher. And then I married and I had children and I created a business. And during that time, I wound up in a business partnership that was a failure. It was not working out no matter what. And I wound up in a very, very litigious situation. I was um, I was in a three-and-a-half-year lawsuit to resolve this partnership. And at the end, um, I was completely broken inside. I had lost uh, about a million dollars of business, 10 years of sweat equity, and I just, I wasn't even sure that I wanted to continue life. That's how deep it was for me. And I had two children, teenagers, and I thought, I can't, go on like this and I went into an art supply store to find something to do with my son. I wasn't artistic. I hadn't been trained in any art. And I looked on the ground and there was a big pile of stones and I thought, my son's really good with his hands. That's a soft material, it's called soapstone. I'll just bring the piece home and maybe we'll do some carving on it. You can carve it with a pocket knife. It's that soft. We spent 6 to 8 hours a day over the entire summer. Mm-hmm. And you know, he made things that were on his mind and heart and I started carving bears for some reason. <laughs> and and you know, later on I realized a couple things. The bear was about introspection, and um, I needed that. To me, it's like bear your soul. Yes. And at one point, another artist gave me a stone, and I said, I have to carve what I'm feeling. And I was feeling grief, and so I carved the grieving man. And what surprised me was that when I was done, the grief was gone. It 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 was in that heavy stone. And then I continued each time I went out to the stones that I was collecting, and I would just express what I was feeling. And so then the healing became part of the creation of art. And many people say art saves lives. Well, it clearly saved me. It saved my life. And then I saw that as this healing was taking place, that I was experiencing more and more peace. And that's where the development of art for peace came about. And I began, even though I didn't particularly want an identity as an artist or a sculptor, because that's just another label. You know, I wanted, I, I wanted to be my true self. Which wasn't a title. I didn't even want to print a business card. You know, I just, I just wanted to create. And and so, but eventually. Isn't it funny
0: how God put you in the right place? That yeah. you went into that art shop, and without any real reason, but God yeah. just guided you. And I think you were listening to the whisper, the whisper of your soul.
1: Yes, Barbara, this is so important. Because I'll share how it later uh, showed up with uh, uh, the compassion for oneself, listening inside. Because um, here, here's a very quick story. This uh, teacher from India that I studied with in 1970 or 71, he told the story of meditating in a temple and hearing an argument. The argument happened to be between the deity and the hearthstone. The hearthstone was complaining that it wasn't receiving any of these uh, uh, flowers or fruits or anything. The people would just come and they would stand on it and then they would adore the deity. And the deity said, you know, we both came from the same stone yard but I suspect that when the sculptor put the hammer and chisel to you, you resisted, you complained. He said, but when he struck me, I trusted that he must know what I am to become. And so I took each blow with this sense, he is going to reveal the best of me. And so Unteen um, years later, 20-some years later, there I am. And, and because sculpting is subtractive, I saw that I was releasing aspects of myself that weren't my essence. These were behaviors, uh, uh, cultural conditioning that I could let go of. So I was carving away what I'm not.
0: That is absolutely startling to hear you say those words because I truly believe that we have a calling, but it's so deeply woven into our anger, our pain, and the things that aren't working that the calling is saying, Help, help, help me out. And all of a sudden, you discovered a way through the stone and your art to let that calling be blossomed without any fanfare it just happened and you became a new human being that's what i'm seeing because i felt when i met you um he's sure a quiet peaceful man and this is a chaotic friendship hall why is he so peaceful why is he so calm well now i know and maybe we all have that potential for a peaceful calm new beginnings am am i onto something here
1: Yes, I, but what, you know, obviously back in 1970 when I began to meditate, there was this goal of a sense of self-realization, like in Maslow's Hierarchy of Need, Right, the top is self-realization. And so, you know, going through life, you have all these different stages that have to be somewhat in place uh, for you to feel stable, that you... Any, anyway, I'm just going to back off a little bit. My, my purpose, I feel, in my life was to help people step up to that next level, that moving more and more towards realization, the self-realization. So in, in this particular time of my life, you know, I felt lost for a while. But what, what came about as these, like you were saying, this listening, I would go before a stone and I would just kind of listen. And very often, I would have an idea of what it will become. But sometimes the stone would speak to me and say, no, I am a this, not a that. And all of a sudden, it would yield towards what it was suggesting. I mean, these were things like You know, you could write them as this was miraculous, how this change was taking place. But as I kept listening, I developed not just to the stones, but to nature, that nature was really talking to me. Like affirming when I would have a thought, and then when I lived in Washington state, the eagle would come, you know, and it was like, was that just a message from nature confirming this thought that I had? You know, so I was like tuning into this, like, there's a a connected universe that I'm part of. I'm part of this nature. I'm not just, you know, this human being and, and their separation. So I'm, I'm, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I want to jump ahead to the real breakthrough that happened. So we moved to Ohio, and as I mentioned before, there was a little uh, staggered start being here. And we went to India. And in India, I had a, 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 an enormous spiritual awakening in India. And then coming back, To Ojai, there was this feeling of like, I don't want to just tether myself here, like I felt like I was this dog on a leash that was tethered, and I was going round and round because I didn't really want to start up my art life again. Uh, and, And what I mean by that is that artists very often, in order to pay the bills. uh, We have to just keep producing and selling. And it loses some of the heart and that, that true expression when it's just based upon the economics of survival. And so I was really frustrated. I wanted to go back to India. I really wanted to go back and just sit and meditate and be guided to what's next for me. And so what showed up was a uh, somehow somebody directed me to um, a, an online uh, YouTube show called uh, Buddha at the Gas Pump. What was it called? Buddha at the Gas Pump. Okay. And I went on and there was somebody from Ojai that was being interviewed. And so I contacted him. Uh, And I said, can my wife and I come over and just talk with you? Of course, we went, and he asked this one powerful question. He said, has all of this ever been divided by war, by famine, by tragic weather patterns? And in that inquiry, all separation ended. There was no sense that my wanting to feel separate from the totality, from all that is, it just vanished. And we were just sitting there in light, in peace, for you know, enough minutes before it was like, wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And so that led to an, an important discovery, which was that um, in 19, uh, t- 2013, I was sitting in meditation in the morning and all of a sudden I, in, out of silence, I observed my thoughts are rising out of silence and returning to silence again. And this movement, if I gave, say, some energy to the thoughts that were arising, I would kind of wander off into a story. But if I just observed, the thoughts would silence. Similar to if you have a film that's made of individual frames, When it's played rapidly, you don't see that there's breaks, which is very similar to our thinking. Our thinking is constant. We don't have these breaks of stillness and quiet. Well, I was sitting there and I was watching one thought at a time spiral back to silence and spiral up and out, up and out. And as a sculptor, I saw this geometry of a Taurus like a lifesaver or a bagel, but I was seeing it spiraling. Now, this first teacher I mentioned, he said, thoughts make manifest as you think so you become. So I sat there recognizing that if I have this vision of this sculpture, this design, that if I get up and I actually draw it, I'm now manifesting the thought. And then what followed with that was, doesn't everything originate from a thought? And then it was like even more powerful. I will make this into a sculpture and I will prove that thoughts make manifest. And so that's what I did. I went and I made it. I said, if I was a scientist and I had this theorem that thoughts make manifest, well, here it is. This didn't exist before I thought about it. And so... I made it, and what did it reveal to me, Barbara? It revealed to me that this design, which, you know, I'm wearing a pendant of it, this spiraling, like you were talking to me earlier before the podcast, this design represented the diversity of humanity. Each spiral was like, you know, a different race or religion or belief system, but we're one. Humanity can't be divided. And so all of a sudden I said, I just created a symbol for our one humanity. And if we would just take that idea into ourselves, wouldn't we treat each other like we are part of a global family. We, we
0: treat each other like we're brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, and family. So exactly. on your website, would we be able to go and see this sculpture since it's a little hard to see right now on your shirt? Um, yes,
1: yes. I, I'm, I'm feeling a little apologetic. I should have it here in front of me.
0: Well, that's okay. We can go to your website. What website would we see a picture of it on? So,
1: so the best ones to see it on are, uh, the website is called holosamulets.com.
0: And let's spell and spelled that.
1: Spelled H-O-L-O-S-A-M-U-L-E-T-S, amulets.com. Dot, dot com, yes. And I, I. Um, well, Barbara, this design, because I first saw it as the symbol for our unity. I, I'm, I'm very, I, I was very transformed by it, because I then said, I've just created a three-dimensional peace symbol. It's a symbol for our peace, because if we related to each other as one humanity, there would be more peace in the world. And so I had this vision that followed. I said, I'm going to create cities of peace all over the world. This is the design. And I started sharing it here in Ojai. And one friend said, well, I did a peace workshop with Fred Arment, and he's already started International Cities of Peace. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Let's just become an international city of peace. So we went online. We saw the application, the letter of intent. Uh, uh, Lisa and I and a group of friends, we all signed it. And we became the 99th international city of peace.
0: Congratulations. That's my goal for Santa Barbara. We're neighbors. Yes. Delighted if you could help us do that.
1: I, I absolutely can help. I've mentored other cities doing it. Oh, that's great. Here's one other thing. When I designed this uh, spiraling design, and let me just see, I have I can have at least a little picture of the
0: oh that's great. Okay, now I see it. Yeah. So this I had to decide how many spirals
1: does it have? Right. And because this is a perfect geometry. I thought, why don't I create three equilateral triangles to make a trinity of trinities, a nine pointed star? And I used those nine points to plot this along with the Fibonacci sequence, which we see in nautilus shells. So I was combining nature, sacred geometry into this design so what happens we become the 99th international city of (laughs) peace and of course in numerology you add nine and nine you get 18 and a one and an eight is a nine and so it was like validation Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that we were somehow being guided in the right way
0: that's so beautiful I feel like we're all have the potential to be guided to something more magnificent than we could even imagine. Although I don't like that statement because I think when you imagine it, it becomes real. Um, Robert, my late husband, Dr. Robert Mueller said, your thoughts are so powerful. you imagine it that's why we started the bench of dreams and you sat on the bench of dreams when you came to Ojai. we were we dedicated the bench of dreams at meditation mount and if you sit on the bench of dreams then you dream the dream the dream that you always have had and you dream it and you take two stones and one stone you keep for yourself and the other one you throw to the earth so the earth reminds you of that dream. And you mentioned before our conversation started today that you met Dr. Robert Mueller. Could you tell me a little bit about that? I think he had the same philosophy that we are one family, all his writing on robertmuller.org, all his work is about, we are one unit. We are one globe on paradise earth. Talk a little bit about how, when you met him.
1: Yeah. So in, uh, Uh, 1989, uh, I was invited by the organization Global Family to join them uh, on a delegation in the Soviet Union uh, to teach meditation. Um, And so I I went with them, and when we came back, they said, well, we've been asked to facilitate at this conference the World Peace and Sustainable Development in Costa Rica. Would you like to be part of our team?" Well, of course. You know, so here are 700 uh, peace builders from around the world coming together, and some were great notables like your husband. Uh, The Dalai Lama came. Uh, uh, Alfred Nobel was there, or uh, one of the Nobels. I'm not sure that was his name. Uh, but I was part of Global Family, and Barbara Marks Hubbard, who I'm sure you know because she's lived a long time and uh, when she lived in San Very
0: close friend, yes.
1: Yes. So I was part of Global Family. Um, I, I had created things for Barbara. I created, um, where is it here? I created this called The Attuner. Mm. Barbara wanted an instrument for peace that could mm. be sounded. And mm. so she uh, mentioned it to me, and I said, Oh, well, I, my, my former occupation, I was a product developer. So I said, I'll, I'll, I'll make that for you. Yeah. So, anyway, so we were there, and um, I I, I wish that I could remember the exact words, but your husband took every aspect of education and talked about the new paradigm of how we have to educate our youth, how we have to learn this new way of being together. It was so inspiring because, you know, I mean, I raised children and I, I knew that we were really, we were conditioning to a way of life that was really based, especially with our competitive nature, uh, to be uh, in conflict with each other. It wasn't supportive. And my feeling was that if we love and support each other, we will do great things. We'll do greater things than if one, just one person gets pushed up to the top. Yeah. So. Uh, he, he he greatly inspired me. And then going to the University for Peace and hearing how that began, um, uh, fortunately, just a couple of years ago, my wife and I went back um, and and just saw how the colleges, uh, the universities uh, expanded since...
0: Right. Um, Since 89, we live um, right up the hill from the University for Peace. We bought all the property next to it to save that property for future generations. We've never built on the property. We lived in an indigenous cabin. And um, I felt honored to be there because the University for Peace was at the bottom of the hill, The Peace Monument, A Spiral by Teilhard de Chardin was in the Peace Park with all the peacemakers from Costa Rica. And you'd walk up this spiral and then you'd walk down the mountain and walk up the hill. And that was our little humble cabin. And that little cabin sometimes would be too hard for me to imagine living in very long because it was really an indigenous cabin. And then I would remember the prophecy of Mount Rasur, And it was said that from this mountain, peace shall go to the entire earth. And so then I said, I'm meant to be here. I'm supposed to be here on Mount Rasur. And that's where Figueres demilitarized Costa Rica. I mean, there's so much history in that beautiful corridor from the university to peace to the top of the mountain where Robert and I lived. And we lived there and we... You know, when I would get down in the dumps, I would just say, I'm going to create a Monet garden and I would plant more orchids and I would try to beautify everything and it would work. But I'm just so delighted to meet you, to meet you and let our, our viewers know you, Brian Berman. Um, Thank you. Our histories are intertwined. There's no way you could have gone to Meditation Mount without sitting on Robert's bench, coming to Ojai, me going, to meet you at the world peace conference, 2020, the spirals of our life. And I wish people would just stop and say, what kind of spirals are they involved with? What is happening in their life? I feel like every one of us is in the right place at the right time. And it's for us just to be open to what happens. Are you finding yourself becoming more open as you meditate?
1: Yes. I mean, um, I'm, I'm, basically connected to everything. I mean, my meditation practice changed dramatically. From the beginning, um, I was doing seated meditation. Then I had another teacher who said, no, uh, you need to start an active meditation. Take that same awareness that you have when you're seated and just surround yourself with awareness so i the, you know my ability to listen to stones to you know to hear the the creatures around me giving me messages all of that was just that shift to i am awareness everything that appears shows up in this awareness it's like i'm a movie screen that this film is projected onto and it's only through my it's
0: only through my awareness that it appears you know awareness is a wonderful word awareness um i do this process called the engineering of consent and it begins with awareness and when you become aware you are present and that is the present of your life is to be present and I we you and I could have a very long conversation about just the present of being, the present of being a presence, yes. and um, listening to Brian Berman, and I'm sure you're picking up too how delightful it is that it is not just, in a conversation, it's a delightful way to experience life, to experience life through art, to experience life through another person's eyes to experience where they have found their courage to be more than they ever thought possible. Did it take courage for you to do some of the things in your life?
1: Oh, absolutely. But there was a compelling nature to it. I, I would say one of the biggest was to go to Germany to uh, co-facilitate a reconciliation project. Um, I I was raised in a Jewish family and uh, as a small child, when I saw the images of the Holocaust, um, I was completely traumatized as a child. I felt that I was an endangered species being Jewish. And, and, uh, you know, my whole childhood was with sadness. Because, you know, maybe people would love me if they saw how sad I was. That was a... That was something that I had to break out of, but, but uh, the trauma brought that on. And so I got, I I started after 9-11, I started a compassionate listening group because in my community up in Washington state, my friends were divided. You know, I had veterans who were arguing with my peace nicks, you know, that wanted a different strategy. So I started this practice group to teach people how to listen without judgment. And um, the woman who was the director of the Compassion Listening Project, she says, Brian, um, we're going to do a project in Germany and I need a male facilitator. Would you uh, co-facilitate with me? And I said, no, no, I only do local piecework. You're the one who does, does the international stuff. So that night, in my dreams I was sitting next to my dad seeing those images and I called her that morning and I said I'm going and so going to Germany I felt I have so much love in my heart that I'm going to heal this divide I'm going to heal the divide between Germans and Jews somehow and I was so guided during that time and I, I, afterwards, I was invited to a peace camp in Switzerland with Israelis, Palestinians, Germans, and an international group, which I was part of. And the Israelis, the Palestinians, and the Germans, each one went into a, a role of perpetrator victim. It was just fascinating to see how different They held their histories. But I was part of the Peace Builder International Group. And so we came to a place of deep understanding and bonding as a human family. But I I know we're running out of time, but I got invited by one of the participants to visit them in Berlin after this peace camp. And that was Lisa. Mm -hmm. And I went, and i visited her in berlin and we fell in love and what it was was the birth of this child called reconciliation
0: Mm. this you are just a miracle you're just a darn miracle you have been open to the universe giving you all the love you didn't have as a child you've been open to feeling the joy of sculpture You're, you know, each of us has a story to tell, and your story is so compelling, it's enough to write a book, right? I think you've already done it. And the book is called The Art for Peace book, and I'm sure there's much more to it than that. But I am just blown away again by the depth of perception that you have carried with you even as a child to feel that terrible peace of sadness that you get as a child you get that sadness you know look at that brian berman art for peace what a beautiful sculpture brian I'm so glad you pulled that in, yeah, Brian. I'm going to give you time for the last word here, and then I'm going to thank our audience for joining us for another Peace Podcast. What would you like to say as we finish this little time together?
1: Well, thank you, thank you so much for this time, and I certainly look forward to us uh, getting together. I'll come absolutely. Um, So one of the things that I say in my book is. Peace is the power within each of us. So peace is a treasure that we each contain. And it's really up to us to quiet the mind and connect with that peace. And I, I have a little booklet here as well that I made called Break Free from Your Monkey Mind, Five Steps to Inner Peace. Uh, I have this available on the Holos Amulet website.
0: Why don't Uh, you repeat your website one more time?
1: Yeah, holosamulets.com, and it's spelled H-O-L-O-S-A-M-U-L-E-T-S.com. And holos in ancient Greek means whole and complete. We are whole and complete. We don't have to keep fixing ourselves when we connect with our essence. Our essence from
0: the very beginning is whole and complete. I really love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you because we are so connected. And I want the people who are watching us today, my dear peacemaker friends, to realize that we're all whole and connected. When you have that conversation, It allows you to get to know somebody and just to be walking in their shoes a little. You know, um, I've been interviewing people about COVID-19, which we are going through right now, and they keep telling me the one advantage, the one that they really appreciate, is deep conversations. They have never had time for deep conversations. They're too busy getting in the car, getting dressed, driving to work, coming home, being tired. But if you can have that time for deep conversations, when I was in Costa Rica, I started a program called Inspiring Conversations for the Radio for Peace. And I loved it because I would interview the founder of Gallup or I would interview Jane Goodall, which is also on Peace Podcast. You may enjoy that, Brian. I have on the Peace podcast, I have um, a blog and I have in the archives, I have the interview I did with Jane Goodall in 1999 at the Hague Appeal for Peace, at the 100th anniversary of the first Hague Appeal for Peace. And I have had the privilege of meeting people who have a devotion to something, something bigger than themselves. You all know Jane Goodall from her devotion to the chimps, to them and how she, just listen to this, how she got into their family life by being still and letting them come to her. And here's Brian being still with meditation. There's something about listening, being still, letting our whispers talk to us as he has found the stones give him a message. And so with that, Brian, I'm going to say, what a privilege it has been to interview you today. I don't even think I've interviewed you. To listen to you, that's <laughs> what I do. I listen. I caught your soul today. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. And
1: I look forward to our connection through the Rotary E Club. And uh, I'm not far away. So let's. Have the-
0: you been a, a speaker yet on Rotary E Club? No. Nope, you're coming up, you're going to be on, now that I know who you are. All right, this is Barbara Mueller, and you're on peacepodcast.org. These are such powerful moments we share with you and I thank you for being here. And I want you to just pull your friends together, maybe use your telephone to talk as you're watching this show together on your own computer or your iPhone and just have a conversation. What did Brian do in his life that led him to where he is today? What is that feeling of being open to the universe, Being going into an art store and finding the stones and thinking, my son and I could do something. I mean, think about where you have been led. Were you open to the moment? Were you there for the peace that it produced? Ask yourself a few insightful questions. And as Brian says, peace is in your heart. It's in your soul and it's within. With that, I say thank you, bless you, and may peace begin with each of us. And thank you, Brian. Thank you, Barbara, so much. It's my pleasure. My absolute pleasure.